When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Top 10 takeaways. Oh, oh, I'm shaking. I'm shaking with delight about two things. Something that we'll talk about at the very end of the show. I think many of you know what I'm going to show. I'm going to show a highlight or a low light, however you want to think about it, from Sunday's games. I have the video. I have the replay of the video. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm so happy. I am ecstatic. I'm ecstatic about the failure of a particular player, and I'm not sorry about it. I've taken so much grief from Reddit and Twitter X and buzzards around the world, how strongly I came out against a particular player, and we're going to talk about him at the end of the show. We have the video. We're going to show We're going to show it probably 17 times. This is my favorite video in NFL history. There's no video. When I first saw this video, because I was not watching the game live, when I first saw the video, I screamed. I screamed with delight. I yelped. It, was, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a scream. It wasn't a shout. It was a yelp. It was an uncontrollable noise that came from way down in my soul. It was my soul crying with joy. And it manifested in this, yet I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. My wife called from downstairs and I'm, you know, we, we talk about, I yell and I have horns, right? I, we, we light these things off. My, my wife unfazed, unfazed, right? She knows crazy stuff, shenanigans happening up in that office, in that studio. Fine, right? But this one time she's like, are you, everything, what happened? What's going on? What, what are you, what is all this noise? I've, these are noises I've never heard a human make. Where did it come from? And I was like, it was guttural. It was from somewhere. It was so satisfying to be this right in the face of so many wannabe analytics experts on social media comparing a particular player who we'll, we will talk about at the end of the show to Jamar Chase, right? Because, oh, Jamar Chase dropped some passes once upon a time in preseason. And it's the same thing. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. It's so so good. We're going to save it to the end of the show. 
because I just I want to build up to it. I want to know that it's out there. It's a treat. I saw the video a couple times, and then I said to myself, we're going to show this video on the Top 10 Takeaway Show, but I'm going to keep it from myself until the end of the show. So it's going to be this dog biscuit that's out in front of me for the whole show where I know that it's, and I'm just so, like, I can't wait. Like, I'm so, I'm up on my hind legs, just can't wait. Like, I just can't, I can't wait for what we're going to, it's so good. It's so good. And I think we're now at a point where we have to start having the conversation. Is this at the Clyde Edwards Hilaire level of correctness and of me flying in the face of conventional wisdom and the the wannabe analytics analysts, right? Because that's important. It's the people with the metrics and the spreadsheets and the scatter plots on Twitter showing me how this guy's in the upper quadrant and he's the best prospect in the class at the wide receiver position. It, it Just like, oh, you have to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the 101 in your dynasty rookie draft. Right, he was the only player at the running back position drafted in the first round, and it's the Chiefs. So these are the things you need to care about. These are the predictive qualities. These are the data points that you need to focus on. And these are people I respect. There's a lot of people I respect the hell out of a lot of people. The light Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, Nate Liss. I have so much respect for Nate Liss. Right, but Nate Liss was damaged. Right, Nate Liss is damaged goods because. You know, forever, we have this dichotomy hanging over our relationship where he knows that I got him on like the biggest debate we've ever had, and we're never going to have a debate bigger than that. And then so I'm always going to be in this position of leverage with him. What are you going to do? And I I respect the hell out of everybody that liked Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that liked this particular receiver we're going to talk about. Well, not everybody, but I respect the hell out of select few, a select few individuals like Nate Liss. Respect the hell out of him, whether he liked Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and this wide receiver we're going to talk about or not. I don't I don't actually know. We should talk to Nate if he would return my calls and return my texts. I have unanswered texts on my phone right here. I have a phone right here with unanswered texts from Nate Liss. If anyone is in contact with Nate List, let him know the Podfather is eager to talk to him about this particular wide receiver. It just we, we I would love to know what where he stands. Right, I haven't talked to him since this particular wide receiver uh, was uh, you know, overhyped, and uh, you know my my sense is Nate's very savvy, and he probably was not buying it. He was not into him. That's my guess. We'll find out together. We'll find out together. Just like this, so this, and, and there were people. Fans of this receiver, fans of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that I respect the hell out of. Not all of them, but some of them. Some of them. But all of them need to eat it. All of them need to eat it. And I considered a dance party on this. I did consider a dance party. I know we just did the Rashad White dance party. I prefer to do dance parties when players we like, we love, break out all over the place and prove us right and prove our critics wrong. This isn't that. So I don't want to do a dance party over a player failing and face planning and flopping. And it's not, that's not, that's not, we're not here to do that. I, I'm just, 
floating on a cloud of righteousness. That's where I am right now. I just want to let everybody know is where I'm at. Cloud of righteousness. And I have 10 takeaways plus some bonus takeaways coming up after this. This episode is brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Rival Fantasy, the coolest fantasy platform not enough people know about, but they will once I'm done, baby, because they're always innovating. They just rolled out seasonal leagues. We set them up for patrons, for our listeners, and they funded over $1,000 in payouts. That's what Rival's all about. They're always innovating. They already had the fantasy book where you can take overs and unders, stack them up, multiply your payout, but then they added challenges so you can set your own lines and put them out there for the community and then you can browse the community's lines and say hey this guy's crazy i'm gonna take the other side it's cool and they have fantasy bingo rival fantasies reminded me how much fun i can have with fantasy football and use that promo code player the promo code is player they give you a 100 instant deposit match plus 25 dollars plus a free play that promo code is player for up to 125 dollars in deposit bonus and a free play you can't beat it. We found the quarterback that broke the Tom Savage corollary. So this was a big week for the Tom Savage corollary. And this is an exciting top 10 takeaway show because we also did on YouTube the Starter Stream Show. Sunday, 11 a.m., I hosted the Starter Stream Show. I talked about a lot of the players that didn't quite perform and why we weren't eager to start them this week. And we talked about the upside case for some players that did perform at a, at a, at a high level. We talked about the upside case for one uh, Calvin Ridley. So we'll talk about him later. We'll talk about Calvin Ridley, why Calvin Ridley broke out and why he's a raging beta and doesn't matter in certain situations. You have to start him. You have to start him. But whether it's Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins, they can get just enough quarterback play, and they're so good, like they're elite talents with just enough quarterback play, they can get there. They can get you that 15 to 20 fantasy points that you're looking for. And sometimes someone like Devontae Adams will get there with a touchdown and volume, and someone like DeAndre Hopkins will get there with just efficiency. Like, I'm going to go up and I'm going to get these passes, even if they're not that well thrown. I'm going to be six for seven. So we have DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams reminding us why the Tom Savage corollary is, is such a strong guiding principle when you're looking to start or sit players. No, you're not starting Jacoby Myers, but you are starting Devontae Adams with Aiden O'Connell, especially when they're facing the Dolphins. And the Dolphins can push the Raiders uh, into a deep hole, significant garbage time. They didn't even have that. It wasn't even that big of a blowout at all. And yet still, Devontae Adams delivered because that's what players like Devontae Adams do. That's what players like DeAndre Hopkins do. Even in lower volume game situations, you, you're playing DeAndre Hopkins. You're playing Devontae Adams. When you have these start or sit decisions, these are players that are matchup proof and they are quarterback proof. But there was one particular receiver this week that found out where the limit is. There's a limit. You can't put me out there and say, oh, Tom Savage corollary, right? You could give a team all the garbage time, garbage time into the horizon. And if it's a quarterback that is not functional, then it's not happening. Garrett Wilson found that out this week. 
Zero fantasy points for Garrett Wilson. Why? Tim Boyle. Okay, Tim Boyle, as we found out on Hard Knocks, is a fun guy to have around, right? He was a guy that Aaron Rodgers just liked having around. And this is a player that Jared Goff liked having around in Detroit. But you don't want to actually have this guy taking snaps. We found out that's the limit. That the, we, we, we can call it the Tom Savage corollary as long as it's Zach Wilson, as long as it's Aiden O'Connell, fine, right? But there, there is a limit. The limit is Tim Boyle. And uh, just this is, this is how Chris Olave outscores Garrett Wilson this year. It's going to happen. Uh, these are two players that we've been comparing since they were at Ohio State. They're so close in the dynasty rankings. They're, you know, right, they're just adjacent. And it's just interesting to track how they're going to be doing. One guy, the quarterback goes down, and actually it's an upgrade. There's, there's more deep passes with a Jameis Winston, whereas if you lose Zach Wilson, it's game over for uh, Garrett Wilson. And then he's looking across the field like, hey, <laughs> Khalil Shakir is getting four targets and 100 yards and a touchdown. Why? Because that's Josh Allen versus Tim Boyle. That's the difference. But Khalil Shakir was super dominant in college. Khalil Shakir has speed. We talked about him on the waiver wire show. This is not a player to drop. There's a lot of wide receivers like a Jerry Judy, like a Gabriel Davis. You just got to get it over with and drop them. You don't want them on your team. You're not going to start them. When you do start them, you're going to be disappointed. What's the point? You need to churn those wide receivers and convert them into running back stashes, convert them into a Kenny Gainwell, all the top stashes. If there's a running back that has upside on an offense with a, an efficient running game or super high scoring, that player needs to be rostered in fantasy football. This is handcuff season. This is stash season. And that means making tough choices about which wide receivers you end up keeping on your roster. Khalil Shakir is not a guy to drop. He is definitively the second best wide receiver on one of the top scoring offenses in the league, do not drop him because he did nothing, right? He had like what, one fantasy point last week. It was a Gabriel Davis week, and we talked about it on Waiver Wired. Don't buy it. Don't buy this Gabriel Davis resurgence. Stay the course with Khalil Shakir, and it paid off. So on this, this starter stream show, we had the most questions, as you might imagine. Can anyone guess which player we had the most questions about? Devon A-Chain. And so many wanted to start Devon A-Chain. It was Devon A-Chain or Saquon Barkley. Devon A-Chain or uh, Brees Hall. And I said, I understand that even if A-Chain gets eight carries, two of them can go for 70 yards, and that's great. But those games happened with a different Dolphins team. That was eons ago. Those were different matchups at a different time. This offense is not that efficient anymore. It's not the same running game. It's not the same schedule. Things are different. And this guy just came back from injury and he's been rushed back. You're okay. It's okay to wait a week. You don't have to chase the dragon. If you have a running back you know is going to get 20 touches, even if it's in the worst possible game situation, right? It was like a 35 point total, Washington versus New York. It was not a lot of upside in that particular game, but 
these are two of the best running backs in all of fantasy, certainly two of the best receiving running backs in all of fantasy. When we ranked the best receiving running backs in the NFL last week, Brees Hall and Saquon Barkley were in the top five, and they're on schedule to get 15-plus touches. Lock it in. No doubt they're getting these touches unless they get injured. So the median projection is an order of magnitude higher for these guys like Brees Hall and Saquon Barkley than a Devon A-Chain. And the upside for Devon A-Chain is not as high as you might think because the touch count just is not going to be more than 10. And so there's precious few opportunities to hit those home run runs. And the most likely outcome is he doesn't have any 40-yard runs. What's more likely, two 40-yard runs or zero? Zero, much more likely. But do you know you're getting 15 fantasy points from Barkley? Yes. Do you know you're getting 15 fantasy points from Brees Hall? Yes. Brees Hall had the worst-case scenario scoring offense, still got there. Miraculously, the Giants played well, scored 30 points, which no one saw coming with DeVito at quarterback. And in that situation... Barkley actually does have upside, scored 30 fantasy points. So as it turns out, when you draft a Saquon Barkley or a Brees Hall in the first 30 picks of a draft, and if they are the primary backs on their teams, no matter how bad it gets, you're not benching them for a player who's not starting. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care how much upside is perceived with that particular running back. In this case, Devon Achain, you're not doing it. You're not starting A-chain over those caliber of running backs. That was like the big debate on the starter stream show. And in this game, it's telling that it was not even an offensive player that won the game. It was Jalen Ramsey, a game ceiling interception in the end zone, and he was injured landing on the ball. I mean, that is that is football heroics. So bravo to Jalen Ramsey. That's the best way to get injured. Get injured falling on the ball in the end zone. That's the best. That is the best. CJ Stroud has overtaken Joe Burrow. Now that Joe Burrow's hurt, we know that. We talked about where is CJ Stroud? Which God tier is CJ Stroud in? Well, CJ Stroud is officially walking on water. He might not be God yet. He might not be the top God, but he's certainly the Jesus of rookie quarterbacks he is the chosen one he is the messiah of rookie quarterbacks he throws three interceptions and they still win the game this guy's walking on water and he's doing it with a midget wide receiver a wide receiver that's 5-4 i've stood next to nathaniel dell on the field off the field he comes up to like here and we've seen Wide receivers that are 5'6", Tavon Austin, Andrew Hawkins, be electric, just prolific college producers and electric in the NFL, and yet the lack of size prevents them from ever translating it to consistent production on the field, and yet that's what Nathaniel Dell is doing. He is an unprecedented player. We have never seen a player of his stature produce at this level as a rookie and that is is what's finally breaking through in dynasty and you might say well you know player profiler you should have been moving nathaniel dell up faster well there is this precedent that we've never seen a wide receiver with these measurables 
be a wide receiver one in fantasy. It's just never happened. So there's a higher bar for a Nathaniel Dell, but he's breaking through these ceilings. He's smashing them. It's like he's shot out of a cannon, smashing through whatever is. It's amazing. So I'm so happy for him. And it just shows that anything is possible. Anytime sports can show human beings anything is possible, like that's inspirational. It's inspirational. But CJ Stroud is the engine, which is why Nico Collins is going to have weeks. And John Mechie, John Mechie of all the wide receivers that you should be targeting in Dynasty, John Mechie is going to have weeks at some point. Not this year, but next year, Robert Woods will soon retire, and John Mechie will be another year removed from the lymphoma, and I expect Mechie to eventually move into a volume slot role which I think is a perfect fit for Stroud. And it, it in the long run, I think it's going to be the Mechie and Dell show. But for now, for now and, and into 2024, Nico Collins is going to have big weeks. I mean, he hasn't had big weeks lately. And so at the trade deadline, this is a guy to try to get. In seasonal leagues, I'm trading for Nico Collins. In Dynasty, I'm trading for John Mechie. On the Starter Stream show, we talked about starting Jared Goff, and the case for starting Jared Goff over Justin Herbert was a strong one, even though Herbert's medium projection was like a point higher. The game scenario that we thought could unfold in Detroit meant that Goff could go nuclear, and he would have if he didn't throw all those picks. The guy threw three interceptions. That's very un like He was terrible. He was Goffle, really. So had Goffle... <laughs> been better... We would have you would have seen the process yield results and a raging debate that we are having at Player Profiler. I'm just going to put it out there, let everybody know it's happening. Amon Ross St. Brown versus C.D. Lamb is a is a pretty massive debate that's happening here right now. Uh, Amon Ra and C.D. Lamb have surpassed A.J. Brown in Dynasty based on age, and then the big question is Amon Ra versus C.D. Lamb. CeeDee Lamb versus Amon Ra, I can see both sides. I can, I can see both sides. Amon Ra is more consistent. Every week, it's 20 fantasy points. CeeDee Lamb gives you more spike weeks. Which do you prefer? It's really what, it's really you pick your preference. But it is a, it, is, it has come down to a, a raging debate. And I'm not taking the L on Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson doubled Dante Foreman's per carry output. He's coming back slowly, very slowly, very severe concussion that he suffered. But Roshan was the most efficient running back in that backfield. Things will shake out. Talk about uh, a, an under-the-radar, super inexpensive asset to acquire at the wide receiver position. That is John Mechie. Super inexpensive running back to acquire in Dynasty, Roshan Johnson. If the Bears do not target a running back in the draft and... and this could be, there's no Bijan Robinson in this draft, okay? Next year, you're going to want to have as much Roshan Johnson as possible. And in terms of regretful trades, trades that I wish I had not made, were the theoretical Marquise Brown trades. So we talked about Marquise Brown's the most obvious trade target. Everybody knows Kyler Murray's coming back, but you could go ahead and put offers out, but you're not. no one's going to accept, Right. If someone did accept your offer, that means you probably had to overpay for Marquise Brown, and that wasn't a good idea because 
Marquise Brown's not a true alpha. The true alpha in Arizona, we've talked about this many times, is Michael Wilson. But you don't have to trade for Michael Wilson. You just pick him up off the waiver wire. If you, you could actually have to trade for Marquise Brown. And the process was sound. Whether you're trading for McBride, Wilson, Brown, it was all the same underpinnings that this offense will be revolutionized with the return of Kyler Murray. And it has not been. And Marquise Brown has been a total flop since Kyler Murray returned, but it is the wide receiver position and they're highly volatile week to week. And unless I hear about an injury sustained to Marquise Brown, he continues to be a buy low. I know Greg Dortch was the leading receiver. Yeah, but it, these weeks happen. There's going to be weeks. We talked about, there's going to be a week where Greg Dortch is the leading receiver. There's going to be a week where Khalif Raymond is the leading receiver in Detroit. We know these weeks are out there. There's going to be a week where, if when healthy, Jalen Guyton's going to be the leading receiver for the Chargers. But you lean into the volatility and the variance of the wide receiver position when healthy. Know that play, Marquise Brown is a volatile asset. He's a field stretcher plus player. Those players, like a Deshaun Jackson, they vary wildly week to week. So I would lean into the volatility with a Marquise Brown I have, unless he was injured, and I and I was not aware of that. Let me know if he's been. It, I mean, maybe he was injured. There's a bunch of players. I was like, oh man, this guy flopped. Oh wait, he got injured. Oh this guy. Oh no, he was injured. Right. So we know that. Uh, but uh, I didn't see an injury to Marquise Brown. Jaden Reed. He gets there with rushing production, multiple rush attempts for Jaden. I think I like three three carries. And I saw some of those carries. I was like, okay, this guy. He is incredible with the ball in his hand that is what you want i will say it for the you know, the last time you know what uh, this this is the last time i will say it for the la this is the last time i say it he is the best receiver on this team he continues to outproduce christian watson because he's simply better than christian watson i don't know what's wrong with christian watson he had the bailout touchdown good for him but i could tell you that in his college career Jaden Reed put up close to 2,500 special teams yards. Whoa. Okay. This guy has one of the highest dynamic scores in the breakout finder. And that is predictive of future production. He's great at football. Great. Great player. When it all shakes out, right, over the next couple of years with this Packers passing game, you, we will see that Jaden Reed is, is the number one receiver on this team. And we talked about in the Starter Stream show that, yes, Brandon Cooks is back, but you don't start him in a game against Carolina when there's no incentive for the Cowboys to run the ball. This week was a Tony Pollard week. This was the get-right week for Tony Pollard because also Rico Doddle was questionable. So you're not playing Rico Doddle. We were paying attention to the injury report. And you're not starting Brandon Cooks in this game environment. It's a bad game environment for Brandon Cooks. And the funny thing is, he was the leading receiver for the team, and he still didn't put up 10 fantasy points. Zach Charbonnet, completely different situation, where he was. it was a great game environment if he were the starter, and then what happens? Well, Kenneth Walker has an oblique injury. It becomes the Zach Charbonnet show. In, in the Zach Charbonnet show, we've got 21 touches going to Zach Charbonnet. 21 touches! He puts up 12 fantasy points on 21 touches. It's an embarrassment. He is a plotter. 
He is giving give you the bare minimum. That's what he does, right? And we saw what happens. Eventually, you could have a, an RB1 season just on pure volume, and eventually the NFL will catch up to you. Fortunately, Seattle has Kenneth Walker, so they have this comparison point. And in Pittsburgh, fortunately, the Steelers had a comparison point for Najee Harris in Jalen Warren. And they're like, well, this guy was a first-round pick, and he had this one big fantasy season based on volume, but this guy, Jalen Warren, continues to outproduce him. He's better. He's more explosive. And that game situation was bad. So we had the, a, a raging debate on the Starter Stream show. The more I think about the Starter Stream show, the more I loved it. YouTube, 11, 11 a.m., Sunday, tune in. It was great. We spent about 10 minutes really breaking down the, the start-sit dilemma of Ty Chandler versus Jalen Warren. And that Ty Chandler was the upside play. Okay, Ty Chandler has the explosiveness. Ty Chandler was in the right matchup. It was a great game situation. And even though Madison was active, I didn't believe that Madison would necessarily be the touch leader because it was a rare thing this season that a player would come back and play after being concussed the previous week. It was a rare thing, but Madison did it, right? And then he ended up being the touch leader. But who had more fantasy points? Ty Chandler had twice as many fantasy points as Alexander Madison on fewer touches because Ty Chandler is explosive. It's like, what do you want from your running back? I want explosiveness, and I want pass-catching ability. Chandler has that, Madison doesn't. And eventually, that is going to flip. Eventually, the touch distribution will flip just like we saw it flip in Pittsburgh. But it matters. It matters that Warren was named the starter. So we ended up coming down on the fact that all else equal, if you're way behind, you need upside, go Chandler. Otherwise, go Warren. That was the final decision. And process-wise, it wasn't great because the reason why we were even having the debate was Pittsburgh traveling to Cleveland with Cleveland starting Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It it takes all of the air out of the game. I think the game total was under 35 no points are going to be scored in this game. Cleveland has one of the better defenses in the league. And then even if the Steelers don't have that caliber of defense, they're going against a rookie quarterback. So none of these teams are going to be able to score any points. It's going to be an immovable object versus a, a, an a unbreakable force. And you're going to have like 24 fantasy points scored. Oh, sorry, I was wrong. It was 23 fantasy points. <laughs> like... Yes. So Jalen Warren actually had very little upside, but you're going to start him just because he was named the starter. And then, of course, they gave Harris more carries and when Harris put up four fantasy points. So that was the danger of playing Warren. He could easily put up four fantasy points, but he did have the 74 yard run. And without that 74 yard run, the guy would have had less than 10 fantasy points and he would have been easily outscored by Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler is just as explosive as Jalen Warren and just as capable of a 74-yard run. So you can't say, well, the 74-yard run is something that only explosive running backs can do. Yeah, we're comparing two explosive running backs in the first place. So we got bailed out. We started Jalen Warren, and full transparency, we got bailed out. We got bailed out. And we, we dropped Jerry Judy, and it's just so great to see a true alpha. Well, not a true alpha. I shouldn't say that. The 
Denver Broncos version of an alpha who's a beta that's playing an alpha in comparison to other receivers is definitely an alpha, but on another team would be a beta in Cortland Sutton. See, Jerry Judy is a beta beta. He's an omega, really, where Sutton's just a he's just a, a, a fake alpha. He's not really a pure beta. He's more of a fake alpha. And I love a fake alpha much more than a pure beta. So Sutton getting fewer targets, but getting the touchdown consistently week in, week out, outproducing Jerry Judy. We had a bunch of receivers that were in uh, the same zone of the draft that, as it turns out, they're just better than the player on the other side of the field who was getting drafted earlier. Turns out Brandon Ayuk is just better than Debo Samuel. I didn't see that coming, but he is. Christian Kirk is better than Calvin Ridley. I did see that coming. Cortland Sutton, better than Jerry Judy. I saw that coming. So there were a bunch of same-team wide receiver arbitrage you could have done in fantasy drafts over the summer. Calvin Ridley. Okay, anyways, oh, oh, but Calvin Ridley, he got right. Well, Kirk has outproduced him. You certainly are starting Kirk every week with confidence that you don't have starting Ridley. Look who Ridley has put up big games against. Spike week against the Indianapolis secondary and the Tennessee secondary. All he needs to do now is play Washington, and he's got the trifecta of the worst secondaries And that's how he feasts, because like Jerry Judy, these Alabama betas will feast in the easiest possible situations, but as soon as it gets hard, they wilt. That's just what they do. And I noticed that we had a question, when is is Zay Jones going to play again? There's an injury, but there's also uh, an arrest. I looked into this. Zay Jones was taken into custody after he had an argument with the mother of his child, and then she had fingernail scratches on her neck that was in the police report. And now Zay Jones is playing. It's just, it's odd to me. It's strange that he's out for this indefinite period of time. And then as soon as he gets arrested, they insert him back in the lineup. Doesn't seem to be in line with the NFL has been taking a stance in recent years of, you know, suspend first, ask questions later, but that's not happening with Zay Jones. So I'm interested in following this Zay Jones story and this Zay Jones situation. You're not starting Zay Jones. And, you know, ever since he had this this latest, this is not his first off-field run-in with law enforcement. He also had an incident with his brother years ago. I mean, there, there is some instability in Zay Jones' life. I hope he he, he, he finds stability. Uh, but until then, this is not a player that we're even stashing. Rashad White, 17 fantasy points again. So we talk about Amon Ross St. Brown and how he's so steady. You know what you're getting. Consistency, if you like consistency. Rashad White is the Amon Ross St. Brown of running backs. I just said it. I just said it. I just, I just said it. Look at, look at how deep into the top 10 now Rashad White is in fantasy football. It's hard to believe, I know, because he started slow, but when you have the all-purpose skill set and you're getting all the touches, 17 fantasy points a game becomes inevitable. And we mentioned Brandon Ayuk earlier. The single game efficiency that Brandon Ayuk posted in week 11 was awe-inspiring. We just need to put it in context. Brandon Ayuk, this is unbelievable. It is so rare. I mean, go back and find me a higher fantasy points per target. If anyone in the chat or this audience 
Email me, podfather at rotowonderworld.com. I'd love to see it. A higher single game efficiency for fantasy football. 4.33 fantasy points per target for Brandon Ayuk. He's special. He is simply a special wide receiver. Cooper Cup was injured, so we had a, we had some difficult injuries this week. I'm a Cooper Cup fan. I'm a Kenneth Walker fan. Hate to see it. Cooper Cup is becoming a magnet for injuries. As soon as you hurt yourself, especially in the lower body, especially if it's connective tissue, muscle tissue or connective tissue in the lower body increases your likelihood of future injury more than any other type of injury to your body. And Cooper Cup with the severe hamstring injuries, foot and ankle injuries, torn ACL. It's one thing he just cannot get right, cannot get comfortable, cannot get confident. And with every injury, the likelihood goes up even more of the next injury. So whatever his probability of getting injured was a week ago, moving forward, Cooper Cup's probability of getting injured goes up even more after this latest foot-ankle injury. It's 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 super disappointing, and it, it, but it's what Puka Nakua needs. It's like, hey, you got rid of Van Jefferson. I'm all that's left other than Tutu Atwell, so you might as well throw me the ball, and I'll eventually get there. So, I mean, props to Puka Nakua. He did it again when he's all they have. So, at least Puka Nakua, when called upon, when his team needs him, when everyone around him is getting hurt, say what you want about Puka Nakua, that he's an opportunist. But at least he delivers. At least when the football is thrown his way, Puka Nakua squeezes it, right? He's doing his job. What else do you want him to do? He's like, it's not my fault that Cooper Cup's getting injured. Someone's going to run those routes. I'll run them. It's not my fault Van Jefferson can't play. I'll... Put me out there. I'll deliver. I have confidence. It turns out confidence is, is important. There's a guy on the Chargers that doesn't have any confidence. It's gone. It's gone. And But if he had built confidence at TCU, then maybe he could have come into the league with some momentum. But he was dropping lots of passes at TCU So he, and at his pro day. So at no point was he on a trajectory to start squeezing everything in the NFL. So now let's just let's take a moment. And look back at Quinton Johnston, or Quinton John Stink, as I now call him. I think it's official. I think after this game that we can all admit that he is Nikhil Harry, that he's no good, he's never going to be good, and that he officially stinks. He is Quinton John Stink. Let's just see. Let's just see how he did. Let's just, just one play. We'll pick a random target. He had a bunch of them, hit a, six targets on Sunday, caught two of them, did nothing, even though they needed him more than they've ever needed a wide receiver, with Mike Williams out for the year, Josh Palmer out with the knee and ankle injury, Jalen Guyton returns for a game and a half before he has to you know, go back on injured reserve, and they're down to Keenan Allen and Donald Parham, and all the coaches are on their knees begging their first-round pick 
to produce. And this is what he did. In the biggest moment in a game-winning situation when the team needed him the most, this is Quinton Johnstink. It looks so good. It looks so good. I, 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 I wish I could say I feel bad for him. I really, I wish I could. And I'm sure I will tomorrow. I will. I promise you all I'm a human and I, there, I have empathy in my heart for every human being. But I need a day. Can, can I have that? Chat? Chat? I'm going to ask permission in the chat. Chat, is it okay if I have a day? Can I have a day for that? Can I have a day? Just, just one day with this. Can I just have a day to celebrate this and being right? Can I have... And I do appreciate all of you in the chat thanking me for helping you avoid Quinton Johnston in your rookie draft and all the Jordan Addison and all the Zay Flowers you have. You're very, very welcome. You're all very, very welcome. And, you know, at this point, I th there's no way that you could say that uh, you know, Quinton Johnston is going to hit this year. We've seen stranger things happen. Just remember, just remember, Devontae Adams was truly horrific for two consecutive seasons in Green Bay before he figured it out. So for Quinton Johnston, it's not over. It's not over. But for this year... This is a win. We were right, but it's not over. Just kidding. It's over. It's, this guy's fucking over, man. But all of them need to eat it. All of them need to eat it. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so happy. I am ecstatic. Floating on a cloud of righteousness. Ah!